1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the Kazoo Slamcast. This is Slam Poem. Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. A question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the industrial revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. Finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. This week on the KZU Slamcast, we have part two of a show that was recorded on May 29th of 2001. The feature is Jason Pettis from Chicago. Uh, As I mentioned last week, I was sorting through the 2002 folder because I thought we were done with 2001, but we weren't. I came across on an old hard drive, a backup folder with a Poetry Slam newsletter in it that had some feature dates, so I was able to match some names and dates, and check back on the calendar to make sure that they happened on a Tuesday night so I had the right year. And so we have a few more shows from 2001 uh, that are coming up. Next week we'll have a show recorded on September 25th of 2001 featuring Mama Maria McRae from Chicago. Uh, After that we'll have a show that was recorded on November 27th of 2001 featuring Matt Olsman. And I've got some other surprises. Stuff that I found that I thought I had lost. I'm not going to tell you right now because I don't feel like it. Enjoy the show. Let the judging begin. Trisha. 8.9. Joe. 8.4 from Joe. Chuck. 8.1 from Chuck. Dale. (laughs) Okay. I didn't hear it. 8.4. And Kendra and friends. Kendra and friends. 9.2. Okie dokie dokie. Applaud the poet. For real. Okay. 25.7. Donna's so quick. Give Donna a hand. She's faster. I didn't even get a chance to remind you to stick around for Jason Pettis and to buy his books because Donna's too quick. But buy them anyway. Next up is Sheree. From the day I was born, you were there for me. When I needed guidance, it came from you. You showed me the way. But when I needed you the most, you weren't there. You wouldn't be, you couldn't be, you didn't even try to be. All I wanted, all I needed was your love and support. Things I never thought I'd lack. You said you loved me, but a mother's love is unconditional. Or it's supposed to be, at least. That's what I thought. 
you proved me wrong. Maybe a mother's unconditional love is a fairy tale, like the stories you used to tell. Stories laced with magic, with princesses locked in towers, with wicked stepmothers who stop at nothing to have their way. Stories with dragons to slay and evil to be overcome, with charming princes on white horses coming to save their beloved. Mother, where's my fairy tale? Where the hell is my happy ending? I'll meet my Prince Charming on my own damn terms. He won't need to rescue me. Mother, where's your unconditional love? Is it like the stories you used to tell? Did it stop when I got, how'd you put it? Oh yeah, too damn old? Is it fiction? Am I being gullible and believing that love without strings exists? No, it has to exist. Or my life has been a lie. Cause I've always loved unconditionally. And damn it, I've been loved the same way. So I'll have my happily ever after. I know I will, cause I'll make it happen. My only question is, mother, will you be there? Or will you still have your fucking conditions? Moving right along. <sighs> Everyone was out playing in the sun, and we didn't get started in time tonight, so one of our judges had to go home early, and I'm sorry about that, but we have a replacement judge. Rosemary has volunteered. Is she out there? Good. Okay. You're first. 8.5. Chuck? 8.3. Joe? 8.4. Dale and Jenna? 8.7. Kendra and friends? 8.5. Okay. Here we go. Next poet. Are you ready? Dave's ready. Is everybody else ready? All right. Our next poet up. Is Soledad. Okay, class, today's lesson is fuck romance, I'm in love. Fuck dropping your pants for somebody who decided to take a chance, I'm in love. Fuck one night stands, pop cover band, singles, bars. Do you like Mars bars? I do too. Leading two. White wedding dressies, dowry chesties, 14 year old stocks of breasties, and drunk relative of rusties from Chapelville Cradle to divorce laden grave, I'm in love. Fuck people who turn out to be nothing like you. Fuck people who insist that they are like you. Fuck people who think that you need a change for your own good. And fuck people who constantly whine about being misunderstood unless they are the unfortunate recipients of love from somebody in the falls in the above four categories, which I would like to remind you, class, are people who are nothing like you. People who think that they are like you. People who insist that you need a change for your own good. And people who constantly whine about being misunderstood. Got it? Good. Funk dysfunctionality. Pop quizzes. I'm in love. Fuck men who expect you to put out because you flirted with them, who demand that you deserted them, but in reality would love nothing more than to spend the rest of their lives with you on a deserted desert island as long as they get to choose the body parts and leave the rest of you shipwrecked, unpicked, and homesick. Newsflash, I didn't desert you. I don't like you. I don't need you anymore because I'm in love. Fuck 
romance songs. Fuck Jennifer and Puff, Eminem and Eldon and Mike Tyson in the John with some unfortunate ill-informed queen of the prom. Fuck lusting after celebrities, I'm in love. Fuck courting rituals. Fuck looking at somebody from across the bar and wondering, does she? Now, but is she? Now, but, 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 but wait, does she? can't be for hours upon hours until you're so drunk because you've been drinking and drinking and drinking in some hopeless attempt to look cool and so you stay until the bar closes use your last ten dollars for the month and stagger back home throw up in the sink feel ashamed anything but lucky and even your cat won't sleep with you because you definitely don't smell like meow mix and have boozy puke in your hair fuck the alcohol impaired remnants of chivalry i'm in love lastly class Fuck abusive dick ring cowards who turn their I love yous into rituals of control, abuse, and misuse. Fuck Stepford wives. I'm grabbing my baseball bat. I'm putting it in my gun rack. I'm in love, but first I need to buy a car. As you may have noticed, class, I'm in love. I am proof that even some hardened cynic like me can discover the possibility of something as fragrant as love. My non-monogamous, intersex, in-your-face, anarchistic nature didn't scare her away, but rather provided a compliment to her amoratically similar nature, aphrodisiacal, ecclesiastical, friendship, devotion, desire, and prayer, and all rolled up into one, so fuck cynicism and fuck the cynical plutocratic society that repackages their desires and sells them back to us constantly. I have found my way out of the silliness of store-bought romance. I have finally earned the right to take that chance and say, honestly and for real, fuck all that. I'm in love. Love that love poetry. Chuck? Ten. Chuck loves that love poetry. Kendra? Nine. Dale? 9.2. Rosemary? 9.5. Who'd I miss? Joe. But I figured it out really quick. 9.0 from Joe. Very good. Very good. 27.7. Right. We got two poets left. Our next poet up is Nate Danison. I have been done a great injustice. Something was taken from me when I was very young. So young, in fact, that I could not defend myself against its theft. Those bastards took one of the few things I brought with me into this world, one of the few things I could truly call my own, and you might say, oh, what could they take from a little baby? But 72% of the men in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. God damn it, I want my foreskin back. I don't know why they took it in the first place. It's important. A foreskin's a terrible thing to waste. And it's not like I can get an answer out of my parents. They just look at me and shake their heads. My mom said it was my dad's idea. And my dad said it was just the thing to do. And I said, the thing to do was to assault Mr. Tito with a paring knife? What the hell were you thinking? Was mom just sitting there while the doctor walked in and nonchalantly mentioned in passing that he thought it would be a great idea if he, you know, hacked my wang? 
Yeah. Well, Nathan, there are a couple of things. You know, the foreskin isn't an essential part of the body. It carries a certain risk of infection, and well, maybe your guidance counselor can explain this better, but... <laughs> what? It is an essential part of my body. It sheathed my broadsword. Why didn't you circumcise the dog, Dad? <laughs> well... Well, what your father is trying to say, dear, is, is that he just wanted you to look like him, you know, down there. Why? So he could pick me out of a crowd? Genetics ain't strong enough, Dad. You gotta have a captain's eye patch, too. Yeah, I want it back. Yeah, I want the world's greatest plastic surgeon to fashion me a bionic foreskin. It'll be 18 inches long. USA can make a special feature film about me called The Boy Who Got His Flat Back. I want my foreskin to be televised around the world. I want John fucking Bobbitt to look at his TV and say... Nothing! He'll be too busy weeping like a little girl at the size of my gargantuan foreskin! But it'll be more than that. It'll be the first ever fully automated, decircumcised bionic foreskin 3000. Oh yeah, and it'll be programmed by a special team of experts from Microsoft, including Bill Gates, because he lost his foreskin too. And it'll have a Pentium 4 processor. Yeah, that's it. I want to surf the internet with my penis. It'll glow in the dark. I could use it for a flashlight, and it'll have a little day planner organizer. We'll, we'll call it the, uh, the Rosie Palm Pilot. Yeah, I want my foreskin back, and I want it to make a noise when I get a hard-on like this. Shink! I want it to be... I want it to be a... Voice activated so when I do get a hard-on during one of those times, you know, like at the pool or in the uh, lockers after gym class, I can say, Bionic Foreskin 3000, initiate standby sequence, and it'll shut down. <laughs> Mom, Dad, nothing personal, but I'm a little let down. It's not easy to explain to your uncut friends why your well-educated parents decided to lop off your wiener wrapper. It just doesn't make sense. Let me put it this way. When that magical day comes in my, in my life... And my wife is holding little Nathan Jr. in her arms, and the doctor comes in with his surgical buzzsaw to go to work on my kid. He better watch out. He might lose more than his composure. Yeah, we all want Nate's foreskin back, don't we? Dale? 9.3 from Dale. Kendra Craig and Todd in the back. 10. Joe? 9.9. Rosemary? 10. Chuck? 8.2 from Chuck. It's... Oh, my God. All that for a foreskin. 29.2 for Nate Davison and his friend. Last poet up. Jonathan? Say hello to Jonathan. I'm guessing at a past, and I'm trying to remember a future, a future unknown for this child just born, of youthful parents, an ignorant lot, this child knows not, and newborn crying and screaming, needing, nurturing, touching, learning and feeding, but mama is working and never there, and daddy's drunk and never there, but granny's here, and a babysitter there. This baby knows not 
Though how or where and still he cries, the needs of this infant covered by lies and crying, he's fed and smiling, he's fed and never held for long and always scolded for long. And the youthful parents, round eyes, square draws, small breasts, big ass, a certain spark, you know, like right here, right here, right here, you know, a certain something that just makes them uh, just stand out in front of a crowd, you know, like that one person in color among a black and white early 80s video or overmarketed cola commercial or a maudlin Spielberg movie like that woman with an angelic aura walking in a crowd of idiots in a heavy metal video, you know, like, 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 like that woman in red in the scene in the Matrix, you know, and like I'm halfway out of my stool. I'm walking over to her to put my hand over her eyes and kiss her a good kiss, a dirty kiss. You know what I mean? And I'm halfway out of my stool when I realize, no, that's not my former lover. Why, I don't know that woman at all, but it's too late by now. I mean, we've been staring at each other for three seconds now. And believe me, when you're staring at a beautiful random stranger, all traditional notions of spatial time go right out the window. A half second of staring at a stranger is like every single final exam you ever took in college added together, helplessly staring at that blank page, wondering where the fuck the professor came up with these fucking questions in the first place, because you sure don't remember them from the book. Not like you actually read the book. You were too busy being 19 and thinking you're never going to die and drinking Mad Dog 2020 because it gets you fucked up real fast and hitting on girls with round eyes and square jaws, a certain something, a certain something. Yeah, that's how time becomes when you're staring at a beautiful stranger. And we've been staring at each other for three seconds now. Think about that. One, two, three. And I'm still halfway out of my stool, caught in an action pose, looking like the cover of a Beastie Boys 12-inch single. I got the skills to pay the bills, and I know why she's staring at me. I I, well, I know why I'm staring at her, but I don't know why she's staring at me, you know? I mean, we're having one of those moments, one of those why-are-we-staring-at-each-other moments. Why are we staring at each other? Do we know each other? We, we, we don't know each other. Why are we still looking at each other? Oh, oh my God, do you think I'm hot? Because I, I think you're hot. Are you staring at me because you're attracted to me? Are you staring at me because I'm staring at you? Am I staring at you because you're staring at me? Are you going through the same thought process as me right now? Should I uh, say hello to you? Should I be scared that I'm staring at you? Should I buy you a drink? Should I impetuously kiss you like something out of a 1940s screwball romantic comedy? I mean, why the fuck are we still looking at at each other. It's amazing how many separate individual thoughts a human brain can have in the space of three seconds. And then she got her drink and I got my drink and she went back over and she sat down with her friends and that was that. But uh, we did have that moment. I'm Jason Pettis. Thanks for coming out tonight. Can I bring my beer up with me? Where's my beer? Oh, I see it right at the... At the edge of that table right over there. <laughs> Someone gonna, he's not going to grab my beer. Hey, thanks for staying out so late tonight. I, I know that we're running late. I'm going to try to get through these pieces um, pretty quickly. Um, I've been living in Chicago for about seven years. Before that, I was born and raised in a rural area of Missouri. It's actually a part that Kalamazoo has reminded me of a lot today as I've been here. This piece is about growing up in that area. It's called 1984. 
So I had to come down to my grandparents' farm for the stupid family reunion, which kind of sucks because Tom got a new D&D campaign, Dungeons D1, 2, and 3, which was supposed to kick ass. It'd be really hard, and we were going to play them this weekend, but since when has my life been fair, right? So we're all driving downstate. My brother's got his Walkman on. He's listening to all this heavy metal shit, and it's on really loud, and the whole back seat just goes whenever there's a guitar solo on. So I go, will you turn it down? He goes, what? I got my Walkman on. So I go, Mom. And Mom goes, of course, well, he's got his earphones on that's the best we can do and it's driving me crazy and we finally get down there it's all the usual nutcases but uncle mike and aunt julie are down from chicago this year which doesn't happen very often and that's kind of cool and mom goes matt you remember your cousin rachel don't you and i <laughs> duh yeah i remember rachel rachel's cut her hair short and she's wearing this ratty t-shirt that says god Go for it. NICC Summer Conference 1983. And she's hanging out on the couch, and I don't know what to say. So I go, hey, how's it going? And she goes, okay, how are you? And I go, I'm all right. And there you go. I'm so smooth. Yeah, right. And then all the parents leave the room, and Rachel and I are sitting there alone, and it kind of freaks me out. So I sit down across the room, and I get my Rubik's Supercube, and I start playing with it. Hey, Rachel says, is that the Supercube? Yeah, I say, and Rachel goes, cool, and comes over. I've got the regular cube, she says, but I've never tried the super cube. Yeah, I figured out the cube, like, last year, I say. I got this for my birthday. It's got four rows on the side instead of three. It's pretty tough. She goes, can I try it? So I go, sure. And so she starts playing with it, and she's pretty good. She gets an entire side done. And then we start talking, and pretty soon we're laughing and talking. And it, it turns out that we listen to a lot of the same bands. Except she said that the best show she's seen yet was this summer she saw Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith play back to back. And I'm like, hmm, but I don't say anything. Man, she's really into her church, but I guess that's just how it is, you know? So Rachel and I hang out with each other all day, and that was cool. And then that night, they had the celebrated family reunion hayride. Woohoo! you know? But I guess I shouldn't really complain, because I do end up having a pretty good time. Grandpa hooks up his tractor to, like, three full wagons full of hay, right? And he goes up through his path of his farmland, and it's, like, the middle of the night, and it's pitch black and spooky. And Uncle Steve keeps running around the side of the wagon and jumping up and yelling, Boo! And then he realized how annoying he is, but now he's got all the kids started. And now they're jumping off the wagon, and they're running around, they're throwing hay on everyone, stuffing it down people's shirts, rubbing it in their hair, and all the moms are yelling, Get back on the wagon, you're going to get left behind. But it's pitch black, so what do they know? And Rachel and I are sitting together, and we're just laughing at everyone how stupid they're all acting but then we get into it and now we're throwing hay on each other and we start laughing even more which gets us hay in our mouths and then we have to spit which makes me laugh so hard that I think my side's gonna split and at some point when we're throwing hay on each other our hands touch and we slip them into each other and we sit there the whole rest of the hayride holding hands like down real low between us so like no one else can see it and I keep like digging and rubbing my thumb across the back of her hand and she keeps doing the same thing to me and we, we don't say anything about it but like Every so often we give each other this look and it's like we're both saying the same thing to each other without actually saying it, you know? So we get down to the campfire at the top of this hill where you can see all the way down to Grandpa's farmland, his house way down, and the Ozarks are stretching out all for before you. And it's like, it's pretty cool, I got to admit. So I grab a styrofoam cup full of warm soda and I go down a little bit down the hill, just be by myself and, you know, like think about life and high school and new police album, which I've been like listening to like 
constantly. And I think it's kind of warping my mind, but I, I think I kind of like that, you know. And all the old timers are gathered around the campfire at the top of the hill, and they're all singing hymns and, you know, like whatever. So Rachel comes down the hill, and she's standing next to me. And she says, hey. So I go, hey. And she goes, what are you thinking about? And I go, I don't know. Life, I guess. High school. And then I laugh because it sounds really stupid. I mean, high school isn't life, you know. It just came out that way. Rachel looks up at the sky and says, you can't see any stars in Wheaton. Chicago and all the other cities are too close by. Too many lights. She doesn't say anything for a while. And then she says, I've never seen so many stars. I point to the sky. Orion, that means winter's coming. I point to the horizon. That's where you see Venus, but we missed it. It sinks early this time of year. Another sign of winter. I point up. Big Dipper? I follow the line at the end of it, and I do, with my finger, and that's the North Star. She says, how come you know so much about astronomy? Oh, and now I'm embarrassed because I'm looking like a nerd again, and I'm working really hard this year to not look like one, but I keep slipping up. Oh, I studied it, you know, when I was a kid. Oh, she says, looking into the sky again. And I want to grab her hand again, but I'm feeling really nervous and self-conscious. Out of the blue, she says, you know, one day we're going to be grown up and bringing our kids down here, and then we'll be the ones around the campfire, and they're going to be running around and throwing hay. Yeah, I pause. Weird. Yeah, she says. Right then, my brother comes up. Hey, we're all going to go play hide-and-seek in the woods. Oh, man, I groan. Oh, come on. We need all the people we can get. Uh, I'm 15, I say. I'm, I, I'm not going to go play hide and seek. Oh, come on. It'll be fun, Rachel says. And then she grabs my hand and yells, come on, and pulls me with her. And what can I say? I'm a sucker. So we're all at the top of the hill, and we're making all these elaborate rules as usual. Okay, you can't go past the big rock, or no one will ever find you. And this chair is base, but you can't move the chair, or you'll automatically be it. And then we eeny meeny for it, and then my brother gets it. Ha ha, serves him right. And so he hides his eyes, and he starts counting down from 100 really fast. And Rachel grabs me and she whispers come hide with me and we're running through the woods and there's branches and logs and shit everywhere and I can barely see where I'm going but Rachel's running through it all breakneck like nothing can ever hurt her or ever will and she finds these two big trees right next to each other and she grabs me and she pulls me into the little hiding space that they form where the trunks meet I'm standing next to her and she whispers closer he'll see you so I scoot in and like our whole bodies are touching each other like all the way up and down and we're like both looking the same direction backboards base you know so like her back is to my front does that make sense and my heart's going boom, 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 from all the running I'm trying to catch my breath and calm down but I can't you know like my brother's my breath is coming all shallow and my heart is still still going like boom, 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 and Jesus I got a heart on like I wouldn't believe like it's harder than it's ever been in my entire life like it's gonna rip through my pants and my face is like an inch away from Rachel's head and all I can think about is how her her, her short blonde hair is all wet and matted down from all the running and her neck is tan and naked and I can smell her hair I can actually smell her hair Rachel turns around quickly and she's got this look on her face this look like well I don't know I it's just like this weird look on her face like she's frowning but not really you know like her mouth is open and her lips are just like drooped a little bit kind of like a frown but not really and her eyes are half closed and there's little beads of sweat running down her face and before I even know what's going on we're kissing and all I can think I swear to God, all I can think is this isn't nearly as hard to do as I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> but I still don't really know what we're doing. I mean, our lips, <clears throat> our lips are just sort of mashed together, and then like, 
Rachel opens her mouth really wide, and so I do too, and now like our tongues are touching each other, and now they're like wrestling and everything in there is just like so hot and wet and weird, I can just feel myself going weak at the knees. And then my brother starts yelling, come out, come on out, I got Nathan. And then I hear another voice, dejected, yelling, yeah, he got me. I'm it. And we stop kissing, and I look at Rachel, and she looks at me, and we both got these looks of panic on our faces. And then she grabs my hand, and she smiles, and then she pecks me on the lips again, and she runs off into the woods without saying a word. And I just stand there for a moment thinking, so that was my first kiss. I keep thinking I should memorize everything around me, you know, all the details, for posterity's sake. So when an old man and someone asks me about the, my first kiss, I can tell them all the, you know, the whole story. I mean, it was just some dark woods, just some trees. Just what happened, you know? I mean, no big story, nothing cool. And that's that, I guess. So I start walking back to base. Because I'm 15, man. When you're 15, you don't run back to base. You walk. Thank you. All right, enough of this sentimental crap. How about a fuck poem? <laughs> Thank you, Cookie Monster. It's called You Fuck Like Sleater Kinney. Lady, you fuck like sex is going out of style. You fuck like your ability to have an orgasm is going to be taken away from you tomorrow. You fuck like a crazy person. Not an actual crazy person, but a Winona Ryder, girl interrupted crazy person. Too crazy, sexy crazy, won't take a butcher knife to me afterwards crazy. Lady, you fuck like an all-girl punk band. Right before their very first show, all hopped up on trucker pills and beer snuck out of their parents' basement. You fuck like an angry yuppie in the front of the line is Starbucks. Lady, you fuck like one of those freaky Japanese cartoons that have been shown to cause epileptic attacks. You fuck like a 16-year-old boy who's just spent the last four hours watching the Playboy channel. Scrambled. <laughs> that second, yeah. Lady, I don't know what kind of freaky shit your parents did to you as a kid to make you fuck like you do now, but I get up every morning and thank them for it. Lady, you fuck like an episode of Jerry Springer. You fuck like Pat Buchanan protesting a pro-choice rally. You fuck like an old-school rapper throwing your hands in the air and waving like you just don't care. Lady, you fuck like someone's secretly videotaping you, and, they're, and you know that they're videotaping you, and you're fucking them anyway. Lady, you fuck like a homeless guy rubbing his hands together over a trash fire on a January morning. You fuck like those old Asian paintings with guys that cocks the size of a house. Lady, you fuck like a riot at a British soccer match. You fuck like that cokehead in the corner of the party who doesn't have any coke and he really, really needs some coke. Lady... You fuck like a poet at an open mic. Reading a really dirty poem in a pathetic attempt to get laid after the show. 
You fuck like 10,000 teenagers at a Britney Spears concert. You fuck like 10,000 teenagers at a Backstreet Boys concert. You fuck like 10,000 teenagers at an NSYNC concert. Lady, you fuck like me, but without all the issues. You fuck like a drunk middle-aged aunt at a wedding reception. You fuck like a born-again Christian handing out pamphlets on the street corner. Lady, you fuck like someone who just installed Windows 2000. Lady, you fuck like everyone should fuck and nobody does fuck. You fuck like an early 80s European heavy metal band and you rock me like a hurricane. Thank you. Thank you. Dale, you out there? Dale, where are you? I'm ready for you. After my feature tonight, it's going to be some uh, musicians on stage. She touched my face and asked me why I was so sad. I said, you're mistaken. I'm not sad at all. And she said, yes, you are. I know because I'm a robot and I can read your mind. And sure enough, I was sad, but I hadn't told anyone. And sure enough, I reached up and I touched her face, and under the soft warmth of her skin, I could feel the cold, unyielding metal underneath. And I said, you are a robot. And she said, yes. I was born from the dreams of a small, lonely child whose only companions were a library full of Isaac Asimov books, this child who was so sad his whole life. And I sprung forth from his head like that one god that I always forget. And this is why I can tell when people are sad. And I said, what is your name, robot? She said, you may call me Antandra. And she laughed to herself as if this was some sort of joke. I touched her face again, and I said, how did your skin get so soft? And Antandra said, my, posit- my positonic brain is covered by a protective layer of blue steel cut from the hood of a 1987 Yugo, which is itself then covered by a pliable form of plastic derived from the melted remains of a thousand discarded Barbie dolls. So why are you so sad? And I said, because I'm lonely, robot. I am lonely and you are beautiful. Would you come home and make love to me, robot? And then Tondra said, the first law of robotics states that I must never harm a human, but through inaction allow a human to be harmed. So yes, I will come home and make love to you. And we did. And I could feel her metallic hips underneath my calcium ones. I could feel the internal glow of her eyes behind her pupils. And she read my mind while we made love. She would reach up unexpectedly and say, thank you, even though I hadn't said anything. And I realized after a while that I could read her mind. I could feel the electronic synapses of her artificial brain turning on and off, on and off. One, oh, one, one, oh, oh, one, one, oh, one, one, oh, oh, which in her language means I love you. And I said, I love you too, robot. Won't you stay here with me and we will carve a happy life out for ourselves? People look at you strangely. Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love. Coitus. Do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? <laughs> 